Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. I'm Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is John 14, 6, Part 2, Episode 22. And last week we started the three-part uh, series about John 14, 6, which reads, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And as we were looking last week at the first part of the verse, the way, this week we will look at the truth, and next week, of course, we will look at the life. And to me, when Jesus said that, what he was really talking about was he is the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and the life of the Father. Everything Jesus did in his ministry, he always pointed it back to his Father. And I think that that's kind of how, especially in ministry, we as uh, pastors or preachers or teachers or whatever term you like to use, that's what we also should do. We should never, ever point to ourselves, but we should always point back to the Father. He is the source of everything. He is the source of our life because he is life. So what I really want to focus on today is kind of why it was so important for Jesus to show us the truth about the Father. And as simply as I can put it, the reason that it's so important that we understand who the Father is, is so that we can understand who we are in the context of that Father-Son relationship. So we can know that as He is, so are we in this world, and so that we can know how he is. Because it's one thing to say, as he is, so are we in this world. That's one of my favorite Bible verses, excuse me, even though I very rarely hear it preached ever, because people always want to, uh, they want to say like, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm bad, I'm horrible, I don't deserve anything, and, and really get down on themselves. And nobody ever really wants to preach the truth of the matter, which is, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are not a sinner, but a saint. You are not a slave, but a son. And I don't know why it's so hard for us to uh, to change our mindset, to change our mentality, to let the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us, to use the mind of Christ, to think the thoughts of God. Uh, in the book of Jeremiah, God said something along the lines of, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to a promised end and so to me right there that shows us what the mind of Christ is it's thoughts of peace it's thoughts of love it's thoughts of forgiveness and mercy and grace and when we start letting that mind of Christ that again is already in us when we start letting that mind of Christ be in us when we start using the things we've been given that's how we experience the things we've been given and that's the whole point of this whole thing is to experience the abundant, everlasting, eternal, resurrection life of God by letting Him live His own life in us and through us and as us. And a lot of that we're going to talk about next week when we talk about uh, Jesus saying that He is the life. But I think it's important for us to kind of see and understand and really focus on the fact that the truth about the Father is the truth about us. In John chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, 
the Bible reads, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. One of the main reasons that Jesus wrapped himself in sinful human flesh and came to the earth as a baby and was born of a woman and had the whole human experience, one of the main reasons that he did that is so that he could show us, other humans, who God is. And what he showed us, uh, kind of almost unbelievably, is he showed us a man, just like we are, who was full of love and who let that love that was inside of him come out, right? I mean, even way back in the very beginning, God said, let us make man in our image. So even right from the very jump, uh, there's really no difference or no separation between God and man. He made us in his image, and then on the cross, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we who were already made in his image were then conformed to the image of his son. And again, that's so important because the, the, the biggest, boldest, best picture of this dynamic in the Bible is the father-son relationship. The heavenly father and his only begotten son. And where it gets real for us is when we find ourselves in that dynamic when we understand that we are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased, when we understand that Jesus is our true identity, God in the flesh, love in a body, God in our flesh, love in our body. And the problem has always been that we never really knew who we were because we never really knew who he was. And until you understand who your creator is, it's very hard for you to understand who you are, where... If you don't know where you come from, it's almost impossible to know where you're going. If you don't understand your your roots, if you don't understand your, your DNA, which, you know, biblically speaking, is the divine nature of the Almighty, if you don't understand what you're about, then it's hard to know, it's hard to be what you're about. It's hard to be who you are when you don't know who you are. And that's why so many people waste their three T's, their time, their talent, and their treasure trying to be someone they're not. Because they don't understand who they are, and who they think they are uh, is really kind of pretty horrible most of the time. When, when, when you let the world define who you are instead of letting the, the ultimate truth of the universe define who you are, that's when you get into big-time trouble. That's when you try to conform to the world instead of understanding that you have been conformed to the image of the Almighty God. So I really like this part in, in John chapter 1, and I actually have a lot from John in our message today. Uh, I really like the, the Gospel of John. I really like John uh, himself, I guess. All of his writings uh, really kind of mean the most to me in the Bible. Uh, I think we've talked before about how John himself identified himself as the disciple who Jesus loves, how, you know, he, he laid his head on Jesus's breast and, and he heard the heartbeat of God and, and he knew that Jesus loved him. And that's such a good place to be. That's a place that we should all be. But what it says in John chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, where uh, 
it talks about no one has ever seen God except Jesus, who is God. He came to show us God. That was the missing piece of the puzzle, if I can say it that way. We, even way back in, in the misty Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God because they totally and completely misunderstood him. And even though he was warning them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death, even though he warned them and said, on the day that you eat of the tree of death, you will surely die, which to me is not punishment at all, but is simply the natural consequences of their actions. They thought he was threatening them with punishment. They thought they could hide from him and not get in trouble because they didn't know who he was. And that's why Jesus came, to show us who the Father is. And that's what the Bible says in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Once again, you know, we see that even Jesus' own hand-picked disciples, they didn't get it. And, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the, the Holy Spirit had not yet descended and, and it, we were not yet filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit. And a lot of the stuff Jesus said was, was so radical, so different from everything they had learned and everything they had known their whole lives, that it was almost impossible for them to pick up what he was laying down. But the important thing here to me is that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the visible face of the invisible God. He is the home address of the Holy Spirit. And he lives in us through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And that means that we are the visible address of the invisible God. Again, as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so the Father is. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it isn't God. Period. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, The Father and I are one. There is no difference. There is no separation. Jesus is not a junior God. He's, he's not, you know, uh, he's, he's not just an extension of the Father. He, he literally is. They are. It's, it's, you know, we talk about the Godhead three in one. Uh, the Holy Trinity being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all one. It's all God. It's all love. Jesus simply was God in the flesh, love in a body. And then again, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God in our flesh, love in our body. So when Philip said, show us the Father, Jesus said, I have been showing you the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what the Father is. He's a man like you who is you know, really basically ruled by love. And and when I say that, uh, sometimes that can have, you know, kind of a negative connotation where especially, uh, you know, it's almost human nature to say, you're not the boss of me. You're not in charge of me. I can do it myself. You're not going to tell me what to do. But as I think I've said in, in different podcasts and, and rants and, and messages throughout my ministry, um, either way, God's love controls us because either we know that we have it and we do everything we do in order to share it because it's too good to keep to ourselves or we don't know that we have it and we, or I should say we don't think that we have it because we have it whether we know it or not. Either we don't think we have it and we do everything we do in order to try to get it 
And that to me is tragic because if if you have it and you do, but you don't know you have it, and you spend all of your time looking for love in all the wrong places trying to get something that you already have, what you're doing is you're robbing yourself from experiencing the gift you've already been given. And that to me, that's that's no good. That's pretty horrible. That's a bummer. And we're going to look at that here in a little while about how the truth has set us free and made us free, but we have to know the truth in order to experience that freedom. But first let's read John chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. And again, this is Jesus speaking the red letters. And he says, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And again, that that connection, that, that oneness, that idea that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that idea that if somebody sees you, they see Jesus, that idea that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, and when God looks at Jesus, he sees you, that idea that we are all connected and we are all one, we are all different parts of the same body of Christ, it comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus meant when he said, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. He talked about this quite a bit. He talked about, you know, when I ascend and the Holy Spirit descends, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will have a comforter. I will not leave you alone. And you will totally and completely be okay because you will have everything you need. That indwelling Holy Spirit, you know, as we saw, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that we could cry out, Abba, Father, so that we can see Him as father and see ourselves as son and again that's such an important concept for us to understand that's and 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 really it can only be understood through the through the holy spirit through the spirit of his son it's only through the holy spirit the comforter the the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth that's the only way we can really understand uh what what the disciples at that time didn't understand right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. I am in you, and you are in me, and I am in my Father. There's no difference. There's no separation. There's, you know, it drives me crazy when, like, like if you're at a church service, and, 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 and the idea is, oh, we have to invite God's presence into this place. Well, what are you talking about? First of all, I don't think God's presence would leave a place like that. And second of all, if you're there, he's there. Right? When Jesus talked about when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, I always thought that was cool because if it's me by myself with the Holy Spirit, that's two right there, and Jesus can be in the midst of that. Like you, I, I think fellowship is great, and I know there's power in all of that stuff, but even if you're all by yourself in your prayer closet, even if you're all by yourself and you feel like you're all by yourself, you're not all by yourself. God is with you. He swore he would never leave you nor forsake you. The truth of the matter is, is that if he lives in your heart, he's as close as, he's as close to you as he could ever be. So let's continue on here and let's look at John chapter 3, 35, which in my opinion is as succinctly as I can put it, the ultimate truth of the universe. This to me more than anything else is what Jesus came to to show us. And, and I say show and not just tell because Jesus 
not only, you know, he didn't just say this, he, he lived this. He went around doing miracles. He, he went around healing people and, and touching people and affecting people. He didn't just go around teaching and preaching. He, he actually got in there and got his hands dirty. I mean, he literally got down on his hands and knees and washed his disciples' feet so that they would be clean. Like, he, he, he did the heavy lifting. He did the hard work. He did what needed to be done in order for us to be who we are by knowing and believing, by understanding, by seeing who he is. When, and, and, you know, I've, I think I've talked about this before, too, on the podcast. Like, when Jesus said, uh, because of the Holy Spirit, all of these works that I've done, you will do, and greater works than these. So it's not about trying to follow in his footsteps, right? Nobody can live Jesus' life except Jesus. That's an important concept. That's something we need to understand. Uh, even when they had those, you know, WWJD bracelets that were all the craze for a little while there, and I had one, I'll be honest. Um, what I've kind of come to in, in, in a little more maturity is as good as those things are, because I think it's great anytime anything helps you focus on what really matters, which is God, which is love. Um, the problem with that is if, if you're sitting there, okay, like a situation happens and, and then you're like, oh, what would Jesus do? And then you're trying to figure out what Jesus would do. And then you're trying to do what Jesus would do. That's way too much trying. When in fact, love is our new, true nature. When you understand how loved you are by God, by your Heavenly Father, that Father's love for His Son, when you start to understand that love, when you start to know that it's that you have been filled with that love, and then you start to fill yourself to overflowing with what you've already been filled with, when you start to understand that His love inside of you can come out of you naturally, that's when you can stop trying. That's when you can rest. That's when you can flow. That's when the living water will flow out of your belly or out of your innermost being. It doesn't take a lot of trying to love people, right? Unless you don't have any love to give, or I should say, unless you believe you don't have any love to give, because you do have it, you just may not know it or believe it. You can't give what you don't have, and you can only give what you do have. That's why it's so important to know and believe this ultimate truth that I'm about to read. And the ultimate truth of the universe, John 3.35, is the Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. To me, it's that simple. God loves you and has given you everything that you need. And when I say everything that you need, I mean he's given you everything that you need to live. Because what he has given you is love. And to live is to love, and to love is to live. Those aren't just connected, they're the same thing. They don't just go hand in hand or hand in glove. They are the same hand. Living is loving, loving is living. And we know that love is giving. So the only true life you can really have is a life of giving, a life of service. The same life that Jesus showed in his earthwalk ministry. Healing people, feeding people, um, taking care of people. Even when Jesus wanted to get away by himself, if he heard, uh, you know, he heard the masses crying out for him and he was moved with compassion and he didn't do what he wanted, he did what they needed. 
And I think that's important too, because, you know, needs are, in my opinion, more important than wants. So if somebody needs something, does it really matter what you want? Isn't it better to, to, to see a need and to meet it? Which I've always kind of thought was the easiest way to love somebody. See a need and meet it. If somebody needs to talk, give them an ear. If somebody needs a hug, give them a hug. Like, you, you know, even what, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was John the Baptist when they asked him, what should we do? And he said, well, if you have two shirts and you see somebody without a shirt, give them one of your shirts. Like, it's not, it's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. Live out of your abundance. God has blessed you to be a blessing. So if you can meet somebody's need, do it. Don't think about it. Don't overanalyze it. Don't worry about whether or not they quote unquote deserve it. Just see a need and meet that need. Problem solved. Job done. So the ultimate truth of the universe, John 3:35. the father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. That's what Jesus came to show us. That's the truth about the father and that's who Jesus is. The difference between Adam and Jesus, the Bible identifies them both as God's sons, except the Bible identifies Jesus as God's beloved son. That's the difference. And I'm not saying the difference is that God loved one and not the other. Of course, that's not the difference. God is love. God loves everybody. God loved Adam. The difference is that Jesus was beloved. Jesus let himself be loved by God. Jesus knew who his father was, and he knew that his father loved him, whereas Adam didn't know and he thought he needed to earn his daddy's love. If you have to earn love, it's not love. Love is a gift. Love is giving. It's not something you can earn. It's not wages. When the Bible talks about wages, it talks about the wages of sin, which is death. And love is the opposite of that, because like I just got done saying, to live is to love, and to love is to live. Love is life. An abundant life is a life full of love. Love is what makes the abundant life abundant. So then we see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, My Father has entrusted, this is Jesus speaking again, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So again, we see how important this dynamic of Father and Son is, and we see that the Father entrusted the Son. If you're acting as the Son of God, you have your Father's trust. He's put everything in your hands, all the keys to the kingdom. And the thing about this is, is it takes maturity to, uh, again, not, not to follow in Jesus' footsteps, because that's impossible, but to let Jesus make his own footsteps with your feet. It takes maturity to let go and let God. It takes trust, it takes faith, it takes obedience. And to know that he is who he says he is, to know that we are who he says we are, that's a big part of that trust. Just trusting in the word of God. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You can't believe something you don't know. That's why I always try to use the divine order of knowing and believing. But that's why there's a still small voice deep inside of us that says, I love you with every beat of God's heart in our chests. That's why it's so important for you to be still and know that he is God. If you're being still, you can hear that still small voice. 
If you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to be someone you're not in order to get what you think you haven't got, you're not going to be able to hear that voice. If you're listening to the voice of the world, which shouts and screams and yells and, and, and tries to bury you under all of the, the surface stuff, tries to bury you under all of the weight of the world, tries to bury you under you know stress and anxiety, tries to bury you under your mistakes and your bad choices, tries to bury you under your history and your past, if you listen to that, that's where you'll find yourself. You'll find yourself, you know, unable to, to get out from under that. You'll find yourself literally buried alive in a grave. And, 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 and then it's easy to get stuck in a rut. And we know that a rut is just that, that very same grave with the ends kicked out, where it's almost like a hamster wheel, where you're just going around in circles and you're not getting anywhere. And you're, you're trying and you're trying and you're trying, but you're trying to be someone you're not because you believe what the world has told you. You've bought into the lie. And the only thing that can free you from the lie is the truth. If you know the truth, you can ignore the lie. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to defeat it. You can just totally and completely ignore it. Like it says in the book of Hebrews, you can simply lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets you. You don't have to get tripped up by it. You don't have to be dragged down by it. You can let God hold you up. And that's what he wants to do. You can plant yourself on the rock and not be shaken. Look at John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, that's important. Believing is what, it's like, faith is like the, the, the activator for this whole quote-unquote Christian life. What you believe, either the, you know, the lie of the world or the truth of the Father, is what will manifest in your life. I'm not saying you can believe anything you want, and that's what will manifest. If you believe you're a millionaire, but you check your bank account, you're going to see that that won't work. What I'm saying is, the world has one report that it gives, and the Lord has one report that he gives, and one of those is true, and one of those is a lie. And whichever one you believe is which one manifests in your life. So what I'm saying to you is, believe the truth. So he said, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is so vitally important that we know the truth. Because the fact of the matter is, the truth is the truth whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. The truth will always be the truth. The truth has always been the truth, right? And truth is higher than fact. The fact of the matter is, the situation may look pretty dark and pretty black and pretty bleak. The truth of the matter is, even though some may mean it for evil, God has meant it for your good. Sometimes we have to go through things to get to the other side. Sometimes we have to go through things to learn and grow and mature. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Maturity is a good thing. Growth is a good thing. Uh, going through something and, and, and becoming stronger by the going through of it, that's a good thing. So even though uh, the fact of the matter may be, this is hard, this is not fun, I don't like this, the truth of the matter is, it's happening for your good. And I'm not talking about sickness, I'm not talking about illness. Those things are, I, I absolutely 100% believe that those things are not from God. God does not use physical illness to uh, 
purify or justify people in any way, shape, or form. You know, the Bible says in another place, uh, I believe it was Jesus who said, by my stripes you are healed, right? Or maybe that's from the Psalms talking about Jesus. But the point of the, 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 the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus went around healing people wherever he went. Healing them from blindness, healing them from sickness, raising them from the dead. That's, those things, <laughs> the quote-unquote bad stuff is not what God used. Healing the quote-unquote bad stuff is what God used to show his power. So let's get off of this, uh, this idea that we have to suffer in order to be good Christians. I don't believe that. I think the book of Job may be responsible for that in a lot of ways. But in my opinion, life happens. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. We've talked about that before, too. So instead of, uh, you know, kind of wallowing in our sorrow or uh, whatever it is that we don't like that is going on, instead of saying, well, I guess this is God's plan, I guess God's using this, I don't think that that's what's what. I think that um, life happens. I think that, you know, in some ways it's kind of like the old song that says, God gives us mountains so we can learn how to climb. Even though, you know, biblically speaking, God has brought every mountain low and every valley high and he has made the way straight. So I think a lot of times it's not necessarily God that gives us the mountains. It, there just may happen to be a mountain there. But here's what I'm trying to say. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free if you remain faithful to my teachings. Jesus' teachings was the truth, right? His commandment, love one another as I have loved you, that's how we experience the truth of the Father. The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hands, right? The Bible says in another place, we love because he first loved us. And one of the translations of that says, we love him because he first loved us. So really it's God filling us up with his love and then us returning that love back to him. And we do that by loving each other. Again, the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Receive the love of God and release it to the people in your life. That's how we love God. How you treat people is how you treat God because God lives in people, right? So the truth is the Father loves you. He has given you what you need in order to have that loving relationship with him. He loves you and you love him back. And the way that you love him back is by loving people. Love, it's, I always say, the two most important things in all of existence, in all of creation, are God and people. Love God, love people. Love God by loving people. To me, it's that simple. See and eat and meet it. Live out of your abundance. And again, you know, what makes the abundant life abundant is love. There's life by itself, and there's an abundant life. That's a life of love. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It's true whether or not you know it. You're free whether or not you know it. But in knowing that you are free, you can live as if you are free. And that's a huge difference. That's a huge point that uh, we need to understand. 
right? Like, like, okay, let's say, let's say you're in jail, right? And you're asleep and Jesus comes like a thief in the night and unlocks the jail cell and then vanishes without a trace, ninja style. And then you wake up. You wouldn't necessarily have any reason to check the door because you would assume that it was still locked. So even though you're free, you're still going to act like you're a prisoner because you don't know that you're free. And, and you know, again, to me, that's, that's so tragic that so many people live like that. Like, they walk around with, with their, their, their bonds. It's almost like they're holding on to their bonds even though uh, Jesus came and, and, and unlocked them and, like, pretty much begs us to, to lay them aside and, and leave them and walk in newness of life. But people are so used to this idea that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, um, I've, I've done all these bad things in my life, so I don't, you know, I've disqualified myself from from anything good in my life. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too sometimes. A lot of the times I don't think good things are going to happen. Sometimes I have kind of a dim view uh, about life. But at the same time, somehow, uh, ironically, I really truly kind of cling to hope. I think hope springs eternal. Because if hope doesn't spring eternal, it's not hope. Um, one of my favorite songs of all time is Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Even to the point where uh, my mom, for I think it was either my birthday or Christmas, some kind of gift-giving holiday, she got me a, a, a little wooden sign that says Here Comes the Sun because she knows how much uh, that song means to me. And during my tumbleweed phase, as my grandma called it, when when I was super, super restless and I couldn't find my place and I couldn't find where I belonged and I just, you know, I, I was just kind of drifting all over the place trying to find, I, I, I don't even know if I knew what I was looking for, but I was trying to find something. And I would always take that sign with me and wherever, you know, wherever I laid my head at that time, I would, I would keep that there and I would be able to believe that no matter how dark it is, the, the sun would come up and, that, and there would be something better. And that's, you know, that's Jesus. He's the, the son, the S-O-N, but he's also the son, the S-U-N. He is the light of the world. And because he is the light of the world, we are the light of the world. That's the truth. That's the ultimate truth of the universe. God doesn't just shine on us. He shines in us, and he shines through us, and he shines as us. We are that visible face of the invisible God. We are the uh, visible expression of love. Because remember, that's who God is. God is love. In order to express himself, love is expressed. Now look at this. Here's where I want to, uh, I want to end this rant today. You know, I don't want to go too long. Of course, my guerrilla gospel style, my hit and run style, just get in, make my point and get out, give you something to chew on but not to choke on. Uh, I don't want to try to swim too deep to where people can't hold their breaths. So I try to, you know, I try to keep these things at a reasonable, uh, reasonable pace here. But I want to end with Romans chapter 6, verse 18. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. The thing about freedom, the thing about grace, the thing about the ultimate truth of the universe is 
we have to understand that freedom works two ways. It's about being free from something, but it's also about being free to something. And what we see in Romans chapter 6 is that we are free from sin, and we are free to live. And that both of those are equally important, because if, you're, if you don't know that you're free from sin, you're going to keep sinning, right? And by sin, I mean unbelief. I mean not knowing and believing the ultimate truth of the universe. You're going to keep, to me, listen, this is such a tricky subject, and I know that I've done some, some of these uh, about sin already, but kind of as, as, as simply as I can put it is sin is looking for love in all the wrong places, period. And all of the, the, you know, the bad actions that we consider to be sin, and, and this changes from culture to culture, this changes from generation to generation, this changes from family to family, this changes from person to person. Some people think smoking is a sin, some people think it's not. Some people think drinking is a sin, some people think it's not. The point is, is that it's not about your actions, it's about what you believe. Because how you act flows from what you believe. What you do on the outside comes from what you know and believe on the inside. If you don't know this ultimate truth of the universe, if you don't know that you are free, you're going to act like you're not. If you don't know that you are loved, you're going to look for love in all the wrong places. And that to me is what sin is. It's believing the lie. It's unbelief. It's not believing that God is love and he loves you. It's not believing that the Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. If you know that God loves you and has put everything in your hands, you're not going to look for anything else because you're going to know that you have everything you need already. And instead of looking for something that you think you don't have, you're going to be able to use what you do have. And if what you have is love, and you're using what you have, you're using the love that you have, then what you'll be able to do is live right? I'm going to say it one more time. To live is to love, and to love is to live. We are free from sin, death, and the law, and we are free to experience the abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of God by letting him live his own life in us and through us and as us. That's what Jesus came to show us. He came to show us what it looks like to live the life of the Father. He came to show us what it looks like to be in correct relationship with the Father. The Father and His Son. The Father loving His Son. The Son receiving the Father's love and releasing it back to the Father by giving it to all the people He comes into contact with. Jesus would love anybody. He didn't care who you were or what you were doing or what you were about. He just plain straight loved people. And that's what we can do now because of that indwelling Holy Spirit, because of the Spirit of the Son that lets us cry out, Abba, Father. That Spirit of the Son that lets us know ourselves as Son. That Spirit of the Son that lets us know God as our Heavenly Father. That's what, to me, that's the biggest thing that, that you could get from, uh, from John chapter 14, verse 6, the second part, where Jesus said, I am the truth. It was the truth about the Father. And so next week, we'll do part three, and we'll look at the life of the Father, 
and what that means in the context of, of our lives, of being able to live and to experience the life of the Father. So uh, that's what I have for this week. Thank you, as always, for all of your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for helping me to get the word out. Uh, I honestly can't believe uh, how many people are listening to this. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so thank you, guys. Keep up the good work to help me keep up the good work. And we will see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen